In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The text is Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 to 9. Moses speaks to the people of Israel. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. This is our text. Young Kimberly was six years old and she was participating in her first spelling bee. Her older sister, four years before, had won a spelling bee. And the six-year-old was assured by her mother that she was an even better speller than her older sister. And a few evenings, she got a little cocksure. Maybe didn't study as hard as she, her mother would have liked. And then the day of the bee came, and the six-year-old, well, she was lasted to the fourth, to be fourth, but she still lost the bee. And she came home, she was troubled, guilty because she didn't study those one or two nights and, but even worse, convinced that her mother would not love her because she didn't turn out to be the better speller that she had been told. Her mother had to assure her that her mother loved her whether she was a good speller or not, just because she was her daughter and not because of anything she did. We, too, are plagued with doubts about our Heavenly Father's love, sometimes imagining that He loves us because of the things that we do. And that's why Moses and all the prophets have to assure us that we are loved not because of what we have done, but because of what God does. And there are two aspects to this message. The first is that we are nobody special. That God has chosen to love us, not because we were better than others in the world, not because that we are more honest or virtuous or better looking or anything like this. Rather, we are loved because of what God does. So we have to accept the fact that we are nobody special in the eyes of the world. Just as Israel was few and an enslaved people without a great power like Egypt, without a great culture like the Egyptians. Nevertheless, God chose them, rescued them, made them the people of his covenant. So we, the people of the new covenant, 
are nothing special either. St. Paul reminds the early Christians of this in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26. Not many of you were rich. Not many of you were wise. Not many of you were important in the eyes of the world. Yet God was pleased to display his power in those of us who are nothing. And if that was true for the church of the apostles generation, it's so much more true for us. Not many of us are particularly winning at life. The people who are winning at life, they, they turn up on television. They are so busy that they don't have time for church. Many of those who are winning at life have their hopes set on other things. Maybe some of us who attend church are still this way and fail to realize that the kingdom of God is worth sacrificing all to get it. Some people are not yet willing to make that sacrifice because their hopes are set on the things of this world. When we claim to be something special, we get into trouble. The proverb says, pride goeth before a fall. And you don't have to be a Christian to believe that. Even the pagan Greeks based their tragedies on the idea of hubris, the pride that blinds an otherwise virtuous man to his faults and leads into tragedy. We indulge in this pride when we think we are something special, when we claim exemption from the tragedies that plague other humans, when we say, my child will never fall away from church, and we don't have the humility to acknowledge the separateness and decision-making powers of our offspring. My business will never go under, and we don't have the humility to acknowledge that maybe our success is due as much to God's grace and blessing what unbelievers call luck than to our own insight, skill, and acumen. My health will never fail. In the pride of life, we can deceive ourselves about the frailty of human flesh. And it is a blindness that causes us to fail to care for the bodies God has given us with risky behaviors. You see, humility helps us be realistic about what we can control and what we cannot. Humility enables us to see who's in charge. Humility, recognizing that we are nobody special, has many blessings that God would have us receive. We indulge in this pride thinking that we are special when we claim exemption from temptation and this is a particularly insidious pride that some churches actually preach and cultivate the idea that I will never fall into that sin. But while the devil is convincing you that by avoiding one sin you are somehow pleasing to God and those that are guilty of that sin, whether it's prejudice or sexual indulgence or 
greed or, or whatever, that they are lost and you are somehow saved. God has a way of causing us to fall into the very sin we thought we could avoid. We indulge in this pride when we are convinced that my confidence will never be tested. I will never doubt God. Those who think that faith is the same thing as good feelings about God are in for a terrible test before their faith journey is over. I will never deny you, Lord. That was Peter's boast, a chosen disciple of the Lord's inner circle. And we may be prone to the same temptation, the same deception about ourselves and our own incapability of falling. You see, humility, recognizing that we are nobody special, keeps us from that false confidence in ourselves. But when our confidence is in ourselves, we are often standing in the place where God should be. Instead, we are special. We are chosen. We are elect in the eyes of God, not in the eyes of the world or ourselves. Moses' words in our text mentions God's love and promise as the cause of our election. Now God's love is a mystery. It cannot be explained. There are means and there are ends. We love money as a means to our pleasure, but you can't buy love. Kidnappers count on this, and that's why they capture people who are beloved, beloved of wealthy people, and hold them for ransom, because our love cannot be bought. It can only be ransomed. God's love is that mystery. It cannot be bought. It is only given freely because it is priceless. And the other thing that Moses mentions is God's promise. God promised Abraham many sons. As the song says, I am one of them and so are you. And if we are sons of Abraham, it's not our doing or choosing, but God's promise to Abraham. And God further promised that his Christ would be the firstborn of many brothers, as Paul says in Romans 8, verse 29. God's promise to his Son that you and I would be his people, his brothers and sisters, redeemed and joined to him. So now we are chosen in Christ Christ who redeemed us from slavery to sin so that we no longer need be enslaved to our appetites, desires, to our fears and our lusts. Who rescued us from the doom of death so that we need not look at the end of our lives with despair but rather with hope, even anticipation. Christ who frees us from the deceit of the devil so that we know what things are valuable in this world as well as in the world to come. And this is why baptism, which joins us to Christ, 
is the transition from death to life. For baptism joins us to Christ, as Paul says in Romans chapter 6. You who are baptized have been baptized into his death, so that even as Christ is risen from the dead, we too may live a new life. And Moses in our text says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him, and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. We are part of a beautiful chain, a chain of believers that go back to Christ and to Moses. I calculate that if there are five generations in a century, there must be a hundred generations between us and Christ, two hundred generations between us and Moses. But God's promise is far beyond that to a thousand generations. And notice what's involved. That we may know the Lord your God is God. The God of Abraham, of Moses, of Christ, of Paul, of Luther, of all the believers of every century. We know which God is the true God. And further that he keeps covenant with those who love him and keep his commandments. For you see, if we are joined to Christ, that will have an effect on our lives. If we know who God is, it will guide our thinking and our living. Therefore, Jeremiah says, and Paul quotes him, let him who boasts, boast not in himself. But we are nobody special. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. You know, some people boast about how much their homes have cost. In ancient Roman times, the very wealthy would build in the new style with domes that would cover large areas. And that was very dangerous. And the custom there was not to boast about how much money your villa had cost, but how many lives it had cost. Well, if you are one of God's people, it's because God was willing to pay the price of his only begotten son. You are special, not because of anything earthly, but because God was willing to pay the price. May this assure you that it does depend on you, but upon God's love and promise. And may that peace and assurance of God keep your hearts and minds with Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.